1: Side Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H.
0: Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. A well, season on the line for the Raptors. They're now trailing the Bulls 104-101 with 134 left in uh, this play-in tournament game. The loser is out. The winner will play. Miami in another elimination game to be the number eight seed in the Eastern Conference. So the Raptors leading most of this game, now down by three with 94 seconds left. Stars up 5-2 on the Blues early in the third period. Islanders have beaten the Canadians 4-2. So they are in the playoffs. Sharks and Flames start in about half an hour. The Blue Jays got two in the bottom of the ninth. It's now top of the 10th, 3-3 Blue Jays and Tigers. Tigers. The Western Hockey League playoffs getting ready for the start of the second round in a couple of days. I am pleased to welcome to Inside Sports the play-by-play voice for the Red Deer Rebels, Troy Gillard, checking in tonight. Troy, you're on with Reed. How are you doing?
1: Doing great. Glad to be making my first appearance on your show. Thanks for the invite.
0: Long overdue for us to have you on the show. We, uh, I, my producer and I, Dave Campbell, spoke uh, several times in the past. We got to get Troy on. Got to get Troy on. So it only took us, uh, I, I guess, what uh, three seasons? Because is this is this your third season uh, doing? I guess Mooner's old job. <laughs> Yeah, technically, I uh, my first season was the uh, I guess you could call it the bubble season, the
1: pandemic year where the rebels ended up playing the the 23 games in front of no fans. So that was my baptism to the uh, the play-by-play chair, and then yeah, just in the
0: late stages, I guess, of my second full year. All right, so tell us a little bit about your uh, your your history. Like, had you done play-by-play in in other leagues for other teams, or what? How did you how did you get to the rebels?
1: I hadn't done a whole lot of play by play over the last decade. When I went to school in Calgary in the mid 2000s, I was lucky enough to do some junior A and uh, even got to do some professional lacrosse with the Roughnecks while I was in Calgary. And then when I got my first full time radio job in uh, in Lacombe, which is essentially my hometown, I got to do a couple of years of senior AAA playoffs with the, the then Bentley Generals and, and go to some Allen Cups. And I know you're familiar with the old senior AAA scene. From back in the day so that was a lot of my actual play-by-play experience. and then after that I spent the better part of a decade on the Red Deer Rebels broadcast team alongside the aforementioned Cam Moon and our, our other good buddy Mike Bowler I was sort of the third wheel on the, the Cam and Mike show there for a lot of years and we had a lot of fun doing Rebels games including a Memorial Cup in 2016 and then I quite honestly read just got uh Just got lucky when when Cam got the call to to go to Edmonton. I ended up being able to fill in first on an interim role, and then uh, here we are a couple years later,
0: still with the Rebels. All right. So Mooner was there a long time, uh, well over 1,500 games. Was that tough for you to to slide in? And I know the word replace is not entirely accurate, but I'll I'll use it for brevity. Was it hard for you to sort of replace Mooner, who was beloved and had been there for so long? I'm glad you used the word beloved because that's
1: the word he hates the most whenever you bring him up in any sort of conversation. So I'm glad you said that and not me for once, because he's heard me say that so many times. It was definitely daunting, uh, for lack of a better term, because, like you say, he had been with the Rebels since uh, 1998, and uh, right up until he got hired in, in January of 2021 with the Oilers, he had been not only uh, the voice of uh, the Red Deer Rebels, but, uh, you know, alongside Brent Sutter, obviously really the the face of the Rebels organization for all those years. So the part where I did get lucky is I got to work alongside him on those broadcasts for all those years, even stepped into the color chair every now and then to actually be in the same booth as him during Rebels games. So to be able to watch firsthand how he went about his business with the Rebels for all those years really gave me... Uh, I, I need a leg up on it I guess when it came to sliding over into that play-by-play chair and the nice part is too is that uh, you know he's still a, a call or a text message away if I ever need anything so it was a daunting challenge uh, to step into those shoes those size 18 Cam Moon uh, play-by-play shoes but it's certainly been a fun challenge
0: Alright well you're doing a great job and thanks for hopping on the show tonight and and uh, the Rebels are, are, are a pretty good story. Uh, tell me about a little bit about the young man who's up for the uh, four Broncos as player of the year
1: you Chaz, what an outstanding season he has had. He was one of only two players in the WHL to score 50 or more goals this year. You probably know who the other guy is. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a it's been a great story. Uh, the Rebels last year had a 50-goal scorer in Ben King in their lineup, led the WHL last year. This year, he missed quite a bit of time to injury, uh, three months' time with a high ankle sprain. So when Ben King was on the sidelines, they had the Kaiucha step in and, I guess, sort of take over the, the sniper role, for lack of a better term. But he's really done a great job this year of developing his all round game and he had some injury troubles too that he had to overcome because last season he missed over two months with a a lower body injury. So Kai started this season a lot more confident being 100% ready to go from training camp and uh, just to watch him grow from a a leadership perspective both on and off the ice. He's really taken a leadership role not only uh, in the dressing room but uh, also in the community as well with some of the outreach he's done throughout the season. So he led the Central Division in, in goals and points this year, and the fact that uh, he's even a finalist for the four Broncos trophy as the uh, WHL's Player of the Year is just uh, nothing short of outstanding.
0: Okay, and uh, the the Rebels knocked off Calgary in five. Now they play Saskatoon, and, and the first round did not start well for them, by the way, but they've uh, advanced. Uh, I believe Saskatoon has home ice. What's the outlook on this series?
1: Yeah, so Saskatoon does have home ice for this series. They had the second-most points in the Eastern Conference. Winnipeg won the Eastern Division, followed by Saskatoon, and then the Rebels were third with 92 points in the regular season. Uh, The Rebels had round one home ice advantage by virtue of that. Uh, You look at uh, the season series. The Saskatoon won three of the four games in the head-to-head. The Rebels uh, had an overtime loss in there as well, and they also did beat Saskatoon. TO once on home ice, but statistically, uh, these two teams are, are very evenly matched in terms of their power play percentages being close, and also on the penalty kill being within a couple of percentage points of each other. Uh, goals for they're both VERY similar as well, and uh, similar in that they've both gotten strong goaltending from rookie netminders. The Rebels came into this year with two rookies as their goaltending tandem and Kyle Kelsey and Rhett Stoser. Stoser unfortunately done for the year with an injury but Kelsey had an outstanding first round versus Calgary and uh, you mentioned it was Saskatoon getting that strong push from the Regina Pats leaned on both of their goaltenders in that series Chadwick and Austin Elliott so I guess it remains to be seen who's going to get the the call in game one for the the Saskatoon Blades but I would expect nothing other than a, a uh, I would dare say, drawn-out series and, and a very hard-fought series between these two Eastern rivals.
0: Okay, Troy Gillard from the Red Deer Rebels play-by-play chair joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Looking forward to that series. Um, so Connor Bedard's out. <laughs> and, he is. And as yeah. I mentioned, I mean they they jumped on Saskatoon with 6-1 and 6-5 road victories to start that series. Blades won for the next five to to take it. Is this, I mean, you're around the league a lot. Uh, I mean, it's not the NHL. I know I know that it gets great support in its markets, but Bedard was a great story. It, are people scrambling now for other stories? Does it take some of the shine off the postseason with, with Bedard out? What's your take on it?
1: I think, obviously, having him... His essentially his WHL career. Let's let's call it what it is. Come to an end. We know he's going to be the first overall pick and go on from there. You obviously lose the league's brightest individual star. But if you look at the teams that are left in this postseason. I'm not sure how often it's happened, Reed, where the top four seeds in both conferences win their series, but that's what the WHL has this year in both the East and the West. The one, two, three, and 4 seeds all won their opening round. And three of those teams were the squads that loaded up heading into the WHL trade deadline. You've got the Winnipeg Ice here in the Eastern Conference who were outstanding last year before running into that uh, Oil Kings juggernaut in the conference. Conference Finals. They look like a strong team, obviously, with the, the guys that they've added. And then out in the Western Conference, the Memorial Cup hosting Kamloops Blazers made some mega deals heading into January, as did the Seattle Thunderbirds getting, as you guys know, Dylan Gunther. And uh, amongst the other players they have, uh, Prokop is the other guy I was thinking of, the former Oil King, as they loaded up. So in terms of the individual star power that Connor Bedard brings to the WHL yeah that's obviously going to be a loss in rounds of two three and four but with those teams that I just mentioned plus the other ones you've got the Rebels and Blades that want to have something to say about how this all ends up along with Moose Jaw and then out west the Portland Winterhawks they were knocking on the door of the top 10 in the CHL at different points in the year and you've also got the Prince George Cougars out there as well, a young upstart team looking to make some noise in round two. So, yeah, you don't you don't have the Bedard shine factor, but certainly a lot of great storylines going into round two.
0: Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because you're right. Some of the trades at that deadline and the teams that loaded up, and only one can win the league, right? So, although I guess one's right. guaranteed, I guess one's guaranteed to be in the Memorial Cup, but but still, uh, it's still going to be pretty interesting to follow. Mooner wanted me to ask you about one more thing. Oh, good. Uh, How is the ice cream at the PV Mart Centrium? (laughs) Oh my gosh, the
1: soft serve ice cream at the PV Mart Centrium has a reputation and you can ask some of your friends in the scouting world because they most definitely know this firsthand, Uh, but it's nothing short of amazing. I mean, when I remember the first time after we were sort of coming out of the pandemic and we were getting ready to go for a full season again and uh, the chef from the, the Centrium came into our office and came in with good news that the the ice cream machine the PV Mart Centrum, for the first time in two years, it was back up and running, and he brought in little samples to the office, and that was one of the happiest days of that entire season, really. If you've never had the chance, Reed, you got to get your, your, your tail down here to the PV Mart Centrum and uh, get yourself a, a chocolate vanilla swirl in a cup. It is
0: nothing short of amazing. I, I have been there. I haven't been there a lot, uh, but okay, yeah. that's on the list of my next culinary experience for sure. That's awesome. Hey. Yep. Troy thanks for doing this awesome to finally have you on the show and uh I'm one of those guys if the oil kings are out I just move a little bit down the highway and hope the rebels do well so I hope we're we're talking to you or your players or somebody from your coaching staff going to the next round as well
1: absolutely I've enjoyed the chat Reed thanks very much and if you ever want to come to a game in Reddit, we've got a seat for
0: you oh perfect me and Mooner side by side you got her right on thanks Troy Thanks very much. Troy Gillard, play-by-play voice for the Red Deer Rebels. So they start Friday night on the road against the Saskatoon Blades Blades in the second round of the playoffs. So great to have Troy on the show. 780-496-0063. Raptors are up against it. Down 107-104 with 12 seconds left in the fourth quarter against the Bulls. We will uh, probably have a resolution for you when we get back.
1: Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630
0: Chad. All right, that's it. Raptors are out. They lost 109-105 to the Bulls. Chicago outscoring Toronto 37-24 in the fourth And uh, that's it. Single elimination for the Raptors. So they are done. The Bulls have another single elimination game coming up against the Miami Heat. The winner of that game will get the number 8 seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Looks like the Blue Jays have won at 4-3 in the 10th over the Detroit Tigers. NHL uh, Islanders, as I mentioned earlier, clinch a playoff spot. 4-2 win over the Canadians. Stars leading the Blues 5-2 halfway through the third. Sharks and Flames start up in about uh, 15 minutes or so in Calgary. Oilers final game of the regular season. Edmonton will go after its fiftieth win of the year, ninth consecutive victory, which would tie a franchise record games on six thirty Ched with a face-off show at five thirty, and the puck will drop at seven. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Kellen, yes. we got some reaction to uh Troy Gillard's appearance on the show. We do. Uh Vic texts in and says huh. Can 100% confirm the PV March Centrium soft ice cream is to die for? Once eaten, no other will do. Okay, so there, there we go. You got to go to a Rebels game to get the ice cream. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yes. Absolutely. That's all I have right now. I, we've we've reached the the end of the the inbox is empty. We have okay. reached the. Uh, we have emptied the inbox. Well, now what are we gonna do? Clean out the spam. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I appreciate that. Oh, I got another uh, message emailed to me uh, from an anonymous uh, lister. Hey, Reed, you should go back and read every Holland is an idiot message you got for not trading the world for Chikrin. The Oilers will go as far as the goaltending takes them, give up less than three each game, and they can hoist the cup. Well, I think, yeah, if they give up uh, three or less, they're always going to have a chance. You should have a chance with that offense and that power play, even if it gets a little tighter in the postseason. You know, earlier on in the season, Rob and I often said the Oilers needed more beef. They needed more meat or whatever, Uh, and I think that's what they got in Ekholm, and really i mean that was the the right trade for the right team clearly there are other players the oilers could have got that would have been very good and trickren's one of them and we kind of had our eric carlson fantasy talks at at a couple points throughout the season as well but in terms of what the oilers specifically needed that's been Eckholm and that's been a great trade and i think bukestad has come in and, and played his role as well they got ryan mcleod back in the lineup last night uh he got an assist. We'll see if Dylan Holloway plays um, in the postseason. So, yeah. I, again, I I think there's reasons to be positive and optimistic about the Oilers. I, some people get angry and and say I'm too positive. So I'll I'll throw this to, to uh, counterbalance things, Kellen. A week from now, we could be the doing a show about the Oilers being down two nothing in the series.
1: Right. <laughs> So or we could also be doing a show who, about who the knows? being up 2 nothing. Well, right, too, right, but just to,
0: just to put a... I guess i got to inject a little negativity into the show because if I'm too positive, that, that makes the negative Nellies unhappy and then they don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> but here here's the thing. The, like I've said about the Oilers, they're playing... Not playing mistake-free hockey. Nobody plays mistake-free hockey. But they're playing, I think, more poised... I think they're playing a more responsible brand of hockey. They uh, they are not making as many Grade A mistakes, and they're doing a better job at recovering or or have. If, uh, they're doing a better job recovering from mistakes or having people in the right places on the ice to compensate for the mistakes, and then they're able to get enough goals along the way or timely goals. I mean, they went. Uh, what was it at? So they, they hadn't trailed in 358 minutes and 11 seconds. And then the Avalanche scored 452 into that game. So that took it... Uh, would have taken it up to what? 362.03. So the Oilers had gone 362 minutes and 3 seconds without trailing. And then they trailed for 36 seconds. <laughs> and then they were tied again when Ekholm scored it. So it, what that's what... In the last uh, six or so games, they, they've I guess the last seven games now they've they've trailed for 36 seconds. that's that's pretty good because <laughs> they fell behind early against Vegas and then got a quick goal. I'm just double checking. I got my notes here. Yeah, against Vegas, uh, Marsha Show scored a minute 12 into the game Bouchard tied it 37 seconds later. So they haven't been behind very often, which is pretty good. I just think they're doing a lot of things that should stand up in the postseason, even against better teams. And I don't see any panic if they do fall behind or playing a game that is 0-0 for a score, or 1-1 for a long time, like yesterday's game. Even the game against Anaheim uh, last week, not, no, not a very good opponent, but it was scoreless for a while. Eventually, the Oilers broke through, and they didn't look back from there. They got uh, two goals in three minutes and ten seconds that night. Okay. Here's what I can tell you. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. Great program from noon to 2 tomorrow on 6.30, Chet. I will join you at 5.30 for the face-off show game at 7 with the Oilers hosting the San Jose Sharks game 82 in the season. Playoffs start Monday or Tuesday. Don't have a schedule yet for the Oilers. Just got to hang tight for that. Big thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. Take care.